Remember when you could make a movie with a bunch of of-the-moment actors, have it critically panned, and still be able to make a sequel? Man, those were good times. Well, saddle up, because we're going back to the days of the Brat Pack, ready to go down in a blaze of glory as we try to prove to you that Young Guns 2 is not that bad. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this edition of It's Not That Bad, the podcast that looks for A grades in B movies. And we are, once again, going back to the wild, wild west. Uh, but joining us on our sojourn of discovery when it comes to Young Guns 2, brand new to the show, Dean from 904 Dad Life. Dean, welcome to the show for the first time. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, Jason. How are you? I am doing really, really good. Now, we went back and forth with a couple of different movie ideas, and Young Guns 2 is one that <laughs> really kind of stuck out for me. Um, when it comes to the Young Guns franchise, considering how big it is, uh, is it surprising to you that not just this one, but both movies would actually qualify for this show? Oh, that was shocking. Yeah, no, that was incredibly, I felt, too low. Mm-hmm. And I think you agree. That's why we're doing it. Like, um, just even the music soundtrack and both of them are awesome. But the storylines, um, and going back and rewatching them because it had been a while. My mom maybe watched those in the '90s when they were first coming out, and I just keep watching them. But rewatching them, it's like, no, these are awesome movies. That's why I keep watching them. For yeah, twenty years, thirty years. I think they just hit thirty year anniversary. Uh, yeah, they did. Actually, it's, uh, I guess that would have been about, you know, 32 years ago now, um, yeah. which is kind of funny, too, because uh, apparently last year in 2021, uh, the writer, John Fusco, basically shared a mock poster for what would be a Young Guns 3. Uh, and then Emilio Estevez is like, yeah, it's in the works. If you go to IMDb, there is a page for, and I'm not even kidding you, Young Guns 3, alias Billy the Kid. It was supposed to come out August 3rd of this year. Um, still no word of it, but I'm I'm curious. Are we ready for Young Guns 3 right now? I, I, it, well, no, it's funny. Like, I'm thinking about it, too, because I saw it. And I had to uh, I had to check uh, fact check by calling my mom, who's you know, and she was like, no, there's no, there's no, she's Billy a kid, Emilio fan, Charlie Sheen fan. She's like, there is no three. I was like, are you sure? Because you know, she did live live through the '60s, and I was like, mom, and but I wonder if it's one how movies are just coming out so fast. It's somewhere out there, and we don't know yet, like on Pluto or. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not quite sure. I haven't done that much because I just like 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 I said like you said I just saw it on IMD or that the website and um yeah it says it's out. I mean, they have Lou Diamond Phillips, Christian Slater, and Emilio Estevez listed down as I guess ready to start. And I and I guess it's one of those things where like all three of them have said, yeah, oh yeah, we'd be in this and there's no problem. And then IMDb basically gets a page. It's gonna be like one of those weird things I think like Batgirl now where it's like yeah the page exists. We'll never see it, but the page exists, um, which is and that could be that could be better than Back to the Future Three, in my opinion. <laughs> it, you know, what? it could be because I mean, like, let's be honest. <laughs> Technically speaking, Back to the Future Three counts as a western. Uh, but before we get too far into Young Guns Two in this western, it's time to take this Brat Pack trip and trailerize it. Outlaws, rebels. Low life characters on the run. 
not your average night out in Los Angeles. The Brat Pack is back in Young Guns 2. Emilio Estevez returns as Billy the Kid with more inappropriate laughter than Joaquin Phoenix doing stand-up at a nightclub. This Western Joker finds himself on the wrong end of the law. Only this time, the law is one of his own. Watch as the regulators try to stay ahead of the posse led by Pat Garrett by constantly going to places Garrett knows about. With more gunplay than a sleepover playing duck hunt, hopped up on Jolt Cola, it's Young Guns 2. Ready PG-13. <laughs> Jolt Cola, that was such a 90s thing, which I may have drank way too much of it in my day. Um, let, let's, let's do a rundown of who's in this, okay? It stars... Emilio Estevez, Kiefer Sutherland, Lou Diamond Phillips, Christian Slater, Balthazar Getty, Alan Ruck, Viggo Mortensen, and William Peterson taking over the role from Patrick Wayne as Pat Garrett. Uh, it was directed by Jeff Murphy, which is different because the first one was directed by Christopher Kane. Jeff Murphy is known for Free Jack and Under Siege 2. Yes. Which is another great movie. Oh, absolutely. And that's the thing. Like, the fact that Jeff Murphy went back to Emilio Estevez with Free Jack, it's like, okay, it's cool. Clearly, they got along, which is kind of nice to see. Um, this movie, we have to be honest here. If the first thing that comes to mind when you say Young Guns 2 is it blaze of glory you're doing something wrong this film was basically everything in a bag of potato chips in 1990 it won for best original song at the 2020 awards and at the golden globe awards it was nominated for best original song at the oscars and the grammys lost both of those for the oscars it lost to sooner or later from dick tracy which okay i kind of get yeah and the Grammys went to Under the Sea from The Little Mermaid. So, again, I kind of get it. It was all over the place. But that's that's a huge kudo oh, yeah. for John Bon Jovi. Uh, it was nominated for Best Video from a Film at the MTV uh, Video Music Awards that year. It lost as well, this time to Wicked Game by Chris Isaac from the movie Wild at Heart, which, yeah, I kind of get. I kind of get. Um also, Balthazar Getty was nominated for Best Young Actor in a Supporting Role in a Motion Picture at the Young Artist Awards. He lost to the two kids, Joseph and Christian Cousins, who played Dominic in Kindergarten Cop, which, yeah, okay, again, okay, I, I, I can see that one as well. So, I mean, lots of kudos for this one, but the critics were not having it. Over at Metacritic, it has a Metascore of 47. And over at Rotten Tomatoes, it has a audience score of 66%, which, okay, cool, fair enough, the, 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 the audience loves it. The critics, however, 20% tomatometer. Yikes. <laughs> and now is that, tom is that tom tomatometer, is that uh, millennials, or is that back in the day, like, do, do the... You know, does it change? That is literally, I mean, it can go up and down as, you know, professional critics come back to Rotten Tomatoes and put their yeah. their critic score in. Uh, but right now, as of recording this, we're sitting at 20%. But for comparison, when it comes to Young Guns 1, uh, the Metascore is actually uh, fairly the same, uh, 50 in compared to 47. The audience score for Young Guns won 76% as opposed to 66 
but the tomato meter, the tomatometer, a 41% in comparison to 20. And I'm kind of going to go out on a limb here and say I actually preferred Young Guns 2 to the first Young Guns. And I don't know, maybe it's the Bon Jovi song. I got no clue on that one. But I mean, for you, which is the better Young Guns? Young Guns 1 or Young Guns 2? So I I enjoy I I remember Young Gun One vividly, very vividly, like the beginning, the whole story. So I think Young Guns One is top for me. Um, but now, as I'm a lot older, Young Guns Two actually tells the the more detailed story by, behind Young Guns One. Mm-hmm. So it kind of like the pace is a little more slower. Um, so now I'm now I like that because I like to follow along with the movie and and learn more about the Billy the Kid and you know his relationship uh, with the you know the, the guy coming after him the sheriff now you know mm-hmm. yeah but, this uh, this is one of those things where when we on this show previously did the movie Mobsters which also starred Christian Slater uh, as you're doing your research you realize there's there's a lot of that movie that is pulled from actual real life which you know on first watch you probably wouldn't you'd sit there and say oh it's just a mobster story no no it was pulled from real life here going back through it you're like okay there was actually quite a bit that was pulled from the stories of billy the kid and doc holiday and arkansas dave rudabaugh um you i I can't hear that name now without hearing christian slaves like don't you know about arkansas dave rudabaugh it's like oh god (laughs) it's stuck in my head um it did well at the box office though uh, according to IMDb, this movie had a had a budget of about twenty million dollars with a worldwide gross of forty four. So doubling your budget, that's always a good sign. When it was released on the August third, nineteen ninety weekend, according to the numbers dot com, uh, this film debuted at number three with a box office take of about six million. That's in behind the fourth week of Ghost and just behind the uh, second week of Presumed Innocent. Uh, There were a couple of other films that uh, debuted, and they weren't getting anywhere near. Uh, At number seven, debuting was Mo' Better Blues, and number eight, DuckTales the movie, Treasure of the (laughs) Lost Lamp. And if you hear someone say DuckTales and you don't go, you are doing things completely (laughs) wrong. Um but let's get to the breakdown of here. Uh, let's start with See, my, my my wife's parents were the ducktail parents, and my parents were the the regulators. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> and and the funny thing is now when you realize that the voice of Scrooge McDuck is Doctor Who himself, David Tennant. Right? I'm like, okay, okay, we're we're good with Ducktales now. We're good. Uh, but well, I told you, that's what got my son to watch it. I was like, come on, let's watch you know, let's watch Ducktail. He's like, I don't. Want I was like, well, guess what? And he's like. Yeah, he's fact checking everything. Okay, yeah, he's nine, <laughs> going, nine going on nineteen. Ah, uh, gotcha. See, it's it's funny because like you know, you sit, you can sit there and say Ebenezer Scrooge is now Doctor Who, okay. But when you sit there and say yes, Ebenezer Scrooge is now Kilgrave from Jessica Jones, and if you hear his voice, you'll do exactly as he says. That makes Ducktales a little bit scarier. But let's get right. to the breakdown of Young Guns Two, and we have to start with Billy the Kid himself, Emilio Estevez. Um, second go around for this guy in this character, and I gotta say, like right off the bat, like the fact that you know he's in the old man makeup and you know kind of narrating the story, I really liked this aspect of Young Guns Two. So Emilio Estevez for you in this film. Yeah, exactly what you just said. I love, I love the raspy, you know, uh, uh, Emilio's voice in that raspy old man. 
and then just tell them the story. And um, I, I, if you didn't know, I think the movie was actually that Young Guns Two was kind of written by the the guy Brushy Billy Billy Roberts. Have you heard about him? Mm-hmm. He claimed to be Billy the Kid in 1950. So like, I learned that was like the baseline of Long Guns. So I I wondered. I think Emilio kind of took that role of like that rundown old. I loved it. Like you, 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 you put it, you nailed it right on it. Yeah. And, and, but even when he's, you know, we're, we're back to young Billy uh, and they're on the run from Pat Garrett. You can see like the, almost that duality in, in Billy, the kid where, you know, he's joking around a lot. He's laughing sometimes inappropriately, but he's laughing, but, but you well, can, they're not bad. They're not bad guys. They're re- they're they're regulating for good. They're kind of like a, you know, a Robin Hood per se. You know, they they're 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 trying to get their land back. That's all. They're, they're regulating for the land for the people around them. So you know, I would. I mean, yeah, they're killing people. That's bad. <laughs> but you know, like you said. They're, they're laughing, joking around, having a good time. But you can see the switch almost flip when it's time for Billy to, you know, to knuckle down and get shooting or be killed kind of thing. And you can you can visibly see that switch in the thought process. You know, there's there's the okay, I'm gonna laugh my way through this, and then it's like, okay, now now people are gonna die. And you really well make it famous. Yeah, absolutely, right? Um, which right, right there, the the oh man, the intensity in the eyes. You know how the the film director did awesome, like mm-hmm. right there, like the eyes of the guy, like going for his gun, like all right. There was there was a lot of really good tension and almost like internal acting that was allowed to to uh, to to be shown off on this one. A, a big credit to Jeff Murphy on that. And I mean, let's be honest. I mean, the character of Billy the Kid himself is just you know, as an actor, you have to think like this is a juicy role to kind of jump into. Yeah, and and Emilio, uh, he he just did, he he he's such a great actor. I mean, he he. He himself, Charlie Sheen, his father, you know, um, awesome actors, but him himself can just go, like you said, from a, he can be very funny, but his, his sense of, his sense of humor, I don't know if it's that smirk that he has. It's just that he can be assertively funny, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, like he doesn't even have to try. It's like. I don't know. My brother did that with girls in high school. Like, yeah, you just come in the room, say something. You're you're genuinely funny just because of how you are, Ian. But I think I think it's 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 a different way of you know what Charlie Sheen would do. Of course, the two of them being brothers and whatnot. And you saw that in the first Young Guns uh, because both of them were in that one. Obviously, Charlie Sheen would not make it to the sequel. But I mean, you know, I wondered, and I was wondering. I wonder if I wonder if that was like a jealousy thing. Because I, because they, because there was better interaction between uh, Emilio and the, you know, the other character in part two than one, I think. Hmm. I mean, the, you could definitely see the camaraderie, especially amongst the, uh, you know, the the top three between him, Sutherland, and Lou Diamond Phillips. And when you read about some of the the pranks that Estevez was pulling on set, it's like, okay, <laughs> they were they were having a good time. They they were. Yeah. Um. Speaking of the top three, uh, Kiefer Sutherland as Doc Holliday. I mean, here's a guy who's you know 
doing his best to step away from you know the regulator life to try and lead a normal life always been the, the more educated of the group kind of thing and the, there's just that 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 tearing of emotion right the you know this is the life i want to lead and i want to walk away from all this but to the same token as well these are basically my brothers that are on the run right now it's yeah. that's got to be a he's tough fa- call he, yeah he's my favorite character out of, out of the whole you know the whole movie the whole thing doc him the character he he's awesome he exactly what you said you know he Again, I don't think if you look at it, they're really not bad guys. They're they're just they're just mad. But Doc, like you said, yeah, he's very intelligent. And then in this in this movie, he starts killing. I don't think he I don't think he killed much in part one. And in part two, he he uh, he pulls out and uh, when uh, Billy you know puts down his gun. Uh, when I talk about that scene, who will make you famous? He's actually the one that kills him and then throws the gun down. You know. And then at the very end, he has the good gunfight at the end that makes him. That I mean, like you said, it's just he's the camaraderie that's there is just amazing. It, it is interesting too. And by, by the way, uh, dear listeners, we are going to spoil the crap out of this. But we are thirty-two <laughs> years after this film came out, so if you have not seen Young Guns Two by now, that's on you. That's not on us. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing with Kiefer Sutherland is that because of the of the connection and and you, you can tell there's an internal struggle within Doc and you know in staying by Billy's side, even though like that's you know that that's a bond right there. That's a brotherhood. Um, so I think it's it's really Kiefer Sutherland it's Doc Holliday's death that really kind of you know for lack of a better term breaks Billy the Kid because it's after that shootout where where Doc dies and you know uh, Chavez yeah, gets shot to a point where basically yeah, he's shot, dead yeah. exactly where where it basically splits the the regulators up and it's like that not Balthazar Getty's death you know because that kind of weighed on him a little bit but it's doc it's realizing that yeah his brother has now you know his quote-unquote brother has now been killed by the posse that's being led by their former teammate like that's that i think is is the weight and i think that's it's because of Kiefer sutherland's performance as doc holiday that makes us the viewer realize this is the straw of uh, you know that broke the camel's back not necessarily balthazar getty's death yeah, and, and right before that shootout too, you know, I, I felt the, you know, there was a scene where he's like, they want Billy the Kid, they want Billy the Kid. He's like, you are Billy the Kid. We're all Billy the Kid. So like, yeah, it's like Billy at one point put all the tension on him. And mm. at the end there, right before he's about to go into that gunslaying, I think maybe he felt a little, you know, maybe the, I, you know, it, of course it's a movie. We don't know what they're feeling. We only think what the director wanted us to feel. But it's like, okay, you know what? You, I, I appreciate you sticking by my side. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel, you know, I, you, they really wanted Billy the kid. They didn't want the rest of them. Mm-hmm. They wanted Billy. And uh, I, like you said, they stood by his side and they started, like you said, that, that, that broke him right there taking Doc down. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out. 
because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. It's also a fascinating dynamic between the two, and, that, and this is played well by both Emilio Estevez and Kiefer Sutherland, is that Doc Holliday really is the antithesis to Billy the Kid, but in that, you know, being the almost like the opposite mindset of him, uh, it's almost like, you know, Billy is to Doc, or, or at least Billy fills the need or the void in, that Doc needs filled to the same token yep. as well as Doc is the missing part of Billy. So the two of them think, together, yeah. like, can can go through anything, um, well, even though they know. Gonna, my wife will hate that I say this. It's almost like myself as a Gemini. Um, you know, we got twin personalities. So um, Doc is Billy the Kid's twin the good side and dot, you know, vice versa. Oh, absolutely. But it's what Billy the kid needs. He needs that voice of reason. Everyone needs that voice of reason, you know, that, that, that little devil's advocate, but then it's also to the same token where it's, it's like doc is, you know, like that's a really bad idea. Let's go. (laughs) Um, But then you've got the, you know, the, 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 the Trinity part of this trio here. And that's Chavez is played by Lou Diamond Phillips. Uh, Let's be honest here. Late 80s, early 90s, Lou Diamond Phillips could do no wrong. You know, playing Chavez in no. the Young Guns uh, duology, playing Richie Valens in La Bamba. Like, he is, he he was, like, literally, like, you put him in something, he's he's going to kill him. <laughs> you know, and, and oh, yeah. even still, yeah. like, he has been in some bad movies and I'm, I'm and i'm looking at and i think it was like metal tornado or something like that that he played with nicole <laughs> DeBoer. but even then i'm like i still really enjoy lou diamond phillips in this which is great um but there's just such a stoicness in chavez as well like you could see how the three of them really complement each other they really do yes i, I and i just i don't know if it's because maybe they were so young 
and just like wanting, you know, they're all on top of their game. And I, it, it, I, I hate, I, I love Young Guns 1, 2, anything that goes 1, 2. When you get to that 3, that's where it starts getting weird with movies for me. So I kind of stopped that, you know, and I, I think there it's like they were just both in it. They are all, you know, all three of them were just, who's the better of the three of us? Who's going to be on the biggest screen? We're mm-hmm. all on the big screen right now, but who's going to keep going? It's kind of how, you know. And that's the thing. When you, take, when you take a look at an ensemble cast like that, and let's be honest, right? You know, 1990, you've got, you know, Estevez, Sutherland, Lou Diamond Phelps, Christian Slater, like all really at the top of their games. It's like, who's, oh, yeah. who's really going to stand out? And and I think Lou Diamond Phelps was, was more of a, uh, a subtle play, whereas you have these very big personalities you know, Lou Diamond Phillips comes in and is able to level the playing field, but with but very quietly and very methodically. And that sometimes messes up their career. You know, it doesn't. You know, like they, they they don't go out and voice. You know, it just kind of puts them. All right, I remember him from this years ago. Um, instead of I can name Emilio with Mighty Ducks. You know, uh. Young Guns, there's, you know, you can go on and on with Emilio, Charlie Sheen, you know, you can go on and on and on and on, but they're loud. They, they were loud. They were loud in the beginning. They're, you know, they had their dad too. Um, and he, you know, that Chavez, you know, he, was, uh, he, he just stayed kind of quiet. Did the, and then, you know, they, they, they don't have enough confidence sometimes. And then you got those actors that have way too much confidence and they're the ones that really make it. I, th- I think the thing with Lou Diamond Phillips is he comes in, you know, very much as a, as a character actor, uh, you know, come, comes in like he will fit any role you put him into, uh, which is why he still has a, a very long acting career today. Same thing with Kiefer Sutherland, right? Like, you know, the fact that 24 was there and then there was a designated survivor like Su- Sutherland is still, you know, like, you know, lead role gold kind of thing. Um but then you got Christian Slater, who, of course, is himself is still, you know, as as big as he is. But I mean, let's be honest, when it comes to Arkansas, Dave Rudabaugh, you know, <laughs> as, I'm, as I'm watching this, I'm like, oh, my God, he's the Ant-Man of the group. You know, I have that flashback of that scene from Avengers Endgame. It's like, hey, do you want a picture with Ant-Man? And it's like, this is basically what Arkansas Dave Rudabaugh is. He's like, you know, don't you know who I am? What? How do you not know Arkansas Dave Rudabaugh? It's like, yep, yeah, you are the Ant-Man of the group. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he gets shot. You know, he gets shot up. Hell, you know, hey, hey, Bob, and he he gets shot up with the uh, dimes, if I'm not mistaken. Uh no, it was the the, the dimes were basically in the shotgun that uh, uh, the the guy holding um, Billy the Kid had. But I mean, it's it's when you think about Christian Slater at that time, this is perfect casting for Arkansas Dave Rudabaugh's character because if you think about Christian Slater in Pump Up the Volume and in Heathers and movies around that time, it's like, yes, perfect. Like, let him be the ego of the group. You know, and which is interesting because it's a, it's a contrasting ego to Billy the Kid. Billy the Kid doesn't need people to know who his name is. He knows everyone knows who his name is. I mean, Arkansas Dave Rudabaugh is, is looking at Billy the Kid like, this is what I'm supposed to be. Um, <laughs> but he's, you know, he's still coming to that realization of just because you ride with greatness doesn't make you great by, you know, by default. And, exactly. you know, you what's know, interesting, yourself. yeah, 
but you also see a little bit of that why is no one following why why am i not at billy the kid status you know it's it's subtle but but again it's something that christian slater really brings to that character which makes him so memorable as opposed to just a you know a discount will scarlet if you will if you're if you're making robin hood comparisons yeah no no i definitely agree like he it's like he you know he he wants you just can't beat emilio's role in that character billy i mean christian later like you're saying wanting to out you know just not getting the fact of why why am i not what am i doing wrong what am i doing wrong and that's what it is you're trying too hard he was trying too hard <laughs> And the the funny thing is, like you could almost see, like you know, you take the the same, not not the same group of characters, because obviously it's a western, right? But the the same personality types and put them into, you know, like a modern day type story. And yeah, he's going to be the guy that you know thinks that just because he works for a company makes him as as important as the CEO. That's kind of like the Arkansas Dave Rudabaugh mentality. Until of course it eventually killed him in real life by saying like, "Don't you know who I am?" It's like, "Oh, no, we've heard, we've heard of you. Now we're going to behead you." Um, yeah. Which is and that yeah, I mean, go work for a city or county job <laughs> and think you're part of the good old boy system and uh, and just wait and you'll see you're not really part of a good old boy system unless you've been in that town for your whole life. <laughs> Arkansas not Dave speaking, Rudabaugh. Not, not, speaking, not speaking from experience or anything. Arkansas Dave Rudabaugh, the king of the data entry pool. No, um, <laughs> but I mean, it's it's the fact that Arkansas Dave Rudabaugh is actually listed as, you know, a potential character in a, in a Young Guns 3 movie would be really weird because, of course, we know at the end of the film, uh, they talk about how he made it to Mexico and then he was shortly thereafter killed because, you know, the... They wanted to send a message to other outlaws thinking of crossing the border that they don't want their kind here, um, which I had to laugh. Seeing that sign, it's like, you know, scum will not be tolerated. And so, scum, what's that mean? You know, politicians, bankers. I'm like, oh, right. my God, that, that is that that quote would still work even today. Um, oh, yeah. Balthazar Getty. Um, this is, this is an interesting one because when we first meet Balthazar Getty in this, in this film, I'm like, oh dear God, they're dragging a kid along and someone teach him how to clap because he doesn't know how to clap in this. Um, no one claps like that. Go ahead, watch that clapping scene. You'd be like, what is he doing? He's mashing his hands together. Like he's trying to, you know, knead the dough. They brought Gilbert Grape into the movie. Oh God. That's a, that, that is literally the perfect that is the perfect comparison, but and they as, gave him a knife too. Let's uh, flip this knife around, okay? But there is something about his performance in this where I'm just like, okay, his innocence, his naivety, like he's he's somehow following the person that he idolizes from a comic book. It would be like if someone got to do ride along with Batman at this point, um, yes. which. I, Oh, yeah, and when and when when he does eventually get shot, uh, in, in actually trying to to help Billy the Kid, um, he had a way of basically turning this character from annoying sidekick to oh my god, like I actually kind of feel when he gets shot and killed, uh, and and that's a tribute to Balthazar Getty. It's no wonder that he was nominated for an award for this performance, and you know, kudos to him for making making my thought process on his character change throughout the movie. Yeah, no, no, he did it very well. Like you said, like 
in the beginning, it was just like, what the heck is this? All right, they had they're trying to make Billy make this nice kid. This isn't my this isn't Mighty Ducks. Um, but yeah, right there, the scene where he goes, and, and that was very heart heartfelt, right there. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like with the with that Star Wars series, The Bad Batch. I'm like, okay, we got these cool badass clones. They're not following Order sixty six, and they're bringing a kid along with them. Ah. Oh. Madcap adventures will ensue, but but for Balthazar Getty, yeah, I'll be that one guy that that would be. Don't you dare compare Star Wars to Young Guns. <laughs> but you know come what, on. though, we're talking re- we're we're talking regulators, not nerds with glasses. Come on. Both were, both were rebels. Both were I'm rebels. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally kidding. Luke Skywalker as Billy the Kid. No. <laughs> Which actually, I could actually see Mark Hamill playing this role fairly well. Right? Yeah. I mean, well, Mark- you know, they they've been doing movies where they go back. So instead of a instead of like a Billy, you know, Young Guns three, what about like how young you know Billy the Kid how it got started like before coming in? Because mm-hmm. I think you know part was like sitting in there eating sitting on the ground or they could be this one too i love both of them so much my mom has to correct me she's my like i said she's my movie fact checker (laughs) but uh i think that would be an interesting movie i think that would almost be better than a part three you know what i mean the 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 downside is i don't know if you could put an emilio estevez in a younger billy the kid movie but i'm sure there would be enough people lining up (laughs) to to act in that role oh yeah Let's talk about Pat Garrett here. It's played by William Peterson. First of all, William Peterson, uh, one of the main reasons why I used to watch CSI back in the day, his episodes of CSI were the best ones out there, period, bar none. And stepping into the role that someone else has already played is not necessarily always easy. But kind of like how Don Cheadle turned um, Rhodey, James Rhodes, in, you know, in Iron Man, you know, and, and basically improved upon uh, the role of War Machine. Uh, William Peterson just absolutely killed it as Pat Garrett because there's there's so much more uh, on-screen introspection that you see in Pat Garrett and the fact that he's, you know, he's chasing them down, he's walking away from the gang kind of thing, and then all of a sudden there's that twist at the end. It's like, I shot everything but you, and you still wouldn't go away. Like, oh, my God, like that turn in Young Guns 2 it's like this made sense and it's not like they spoiled it at all like it was it was really effective acting by William Peterson yeah I agree now he did he did a great job and like you said it's hard to come in and fill in a role that you know it's been done great but that just it's it's he did he did a really good job and I, I just that, that's all Mm-hmm. In all my notes that I have here, you're hitting them all right on the nail. <laughs> it's literally, you're like my brother, as if because I think I mentioned my brother's name is Jason. Then mm-hmm. we watch movies together, and you're hitting everything right on the nail. But the thing with, I mean, like here, here is you know, it's an interesting aspect to the story, and and as much as in real life, Billy the Kid and Pat Garrett weren't as close as they were portrayed in Young Guns Two at first. Um, it does still lend a very interesting side to the story, and 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 that's the beauty part about this. Like you can go and start to do a little bit of research and realize that, wow, a young Hollywood, you know, cowboy movie or outlaw movie 
isn't as far removed from reality as you would expect it to be. It, it's like it's it's like watching a movie based on a book, then going back and reading the book and saying, "Wow, okay, so they really didn't deviate too too much from this," as opposed to when Hollywood usually butchers uh, a book. This didn't butcher history as much as one might think, especially for a sequel that's clearly built on, you know, on on the backs of young Hollywood. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and the, the final scene too, of like, you know, him shooting Billy, the kid that leads this for the part three, because does he really shoot him or not? Mm-hmm. It's almost like, it's almost like a point break where, you know, uh, he, he, he lets Bodie go into that wave. Like does Bodie esophagus really die? I don't know. So long as we don't get point break two, I know we had the reboot. Didn't I know, I know, right? <laughs> Did not need the reboot. No, no one needs that reboot. Um, nope. Alan Ruck as Henry French. Um, it's interesting because you've got Balthazar Getty joining the, the, the group because he idolizes Billy the Kid uh, and wants more for his life. You had Arkansas Dave Rudabaugh join the group basically you know, because he's so full of himself he thinks that by riding with the kid he is as big as the kid. But Henry French as played by Alan Ruck. Here's a guy who actually has a beef with the people that the, you know, the regulators would stand up against. He lost his farm. He lost his everything. You know, he's out, you know, to to get his pound of flesh from the people who took it from him. Um, and then you see that, that the realization is like, I am in way over my head. And if I make it out of this alive, I'm never, you know, going back to this. Like the fact that, you know, it's him that's there with Chavez as Chavez realizes that he's, you know, like there's no coming back from this. Loved the turn that Alan Ruck had with this. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just the whole thing. The whole thing is the land and it's nobody wants to kill anybody, but it's, it's at some point they realize they got to do something. And it's, it's these regulators that are actually talking these guys into it. None of them, they don't like them, but then they finally come around and realize they are, you know, it's what you got to do. Yeah. It's almost like you you have the man with the ego, the man with the passion, and the man with the actual reason for doing what they're doing uh, in the three that are that have joined them. Um, and, and that's and that's a kudos to Alan Rock. I mean, like, again, like we're talking the the least known name of, you know, the main six of the regulators. It's, of course, Pat Garrett is chasing them. Um, and for him to be able to stand out in a non-standoutish way, like he's not loud. He's not he's not trying to overact and overshadow everyone. But his story, his arc actually feels, you know, it, it, it makes sense. He's angry. He let his anger get him to this point. Uh, and then all of a sudden he realizes where his anger has brought him to. Uh, it just makes Henry French a much more complex character than just, you know, um, right along with the boys. Yeah. And those, and that's what I think this, I think that's what was great about part two is it slowed it down for people to catch that, those type of characters. Uh, you know, they gave him, gave him, you know, his, the character more, more time to be looked at his thought. Like you're saying, his whole thought process had to change and, it's hard to do that. It's hard to do that now in real life. And to, to see these people have to go through the same thing back in the Western times is, is pretty cool. I think off reference, uh, I, I was talking to my brother's friend who is uh, 26 years old. And um, I said, yeah, I'm going to, 
be doing this podcast on Young Guns soon. She goes, oh, is that a, a Western, like Brokeback Mountain? <laughs> that is, I, that uh, is not a Western, like Brokeback Mountain in any stretch uh, of, the, of the conversation here. Uh, I, 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 you can't be in the family, I'm sorry. Like, I know I was laughing so hard, but she just had never seen the movie and I felt so bad, but that's just like, kids these days are not seeing real Western you know, they're seeing, uh, you know, uh, Yellowstone and all that, but like, uh, I, 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 I'm just lucky that I got to enjoy these movies. The interesting thing too is that, you know, the, the tonality of modern Westerns has changed quite a bit and you have these stories of, of more character studies of, of people in the West as opposed to, I mean, let, let's call this what it is. Young Guns 2 is a popcorn flick. You know, it was, you know, it happens to be, you know, inspired by and based on real stories of real outlaws, but it's a popcorn flick at, at, at best. I mean, this was never going to be an Oscar winning film. It's designed to put butts in seats in the theater and bring the people out and have a good time. And the thing is, you know, Brokeback Mountain is, is there to make you think. And, and, to, and to make you see a different side of, of cowboy western type movies. Young Guns 2 is to give you a good time for an hour and a half or, or two hours there. Sell a lot of popcorn and make you enjoy the ride along the way. And I think yes. it really kind of, you know, it did exactly what it was supposed to do. Yep. I think that's, uh, I think exactly. Like Young, Young Guns 1 was a lot of action. A lot, a lot more action, I think, than part 2. And then that's why I think part two is exactly what you said. Just sit there, eat your popcorn, and and watch a good flick. Watch and enjoy it. Actually, learn the baseline. Mm-hmm. Like it, it is true. It's it's this is one of those rare sequels based on a movie that did surprisingly well at the box office. And Young Guns, Young Guns did it did very well at the box office. Young Guns two made its money back. But I think. You know, it's fair to say that regardless of what the critics think, Young Guns 2 is equal to or, or you know, better than the sequel. That's rare when you think about, you know, a movie that, you know, let's be honest, the motivation is to sell movie tickets. It did what it needed to do. And then some Young Guns 2 is better than it probably has any right to be. Yeah. And it I mean, and it just and if I'm not mistaken, it came out like the same week of Ghost. Uh, it came out three weeks after Ghost, actually. But three again, weeks after Ghost, yeah. So it's like you know, right around the same time, there was a couple good movies with like, and I, I, I myself am a huge Patrick Swayze fan, you know. So those numbers change, and but like you said, it did really good. I, I'm just still surprised with the when we when I started talking to you and looking at those critic numbers, it was just I. I'm still in shock with it. Now, I do wonder, and and we, we need to put this out on Front Street here. We, we need to address the the John Bon Jovi-sized elephant in the room in that Blaze of Glory is one of those rare songs that's written for a movie where I think the, the song itself surpasses the movie, right? And you, you think about I Will Always Love You um, from The Bodyguard, I mean, you did not just talk about oh my my Whitney my girl yeah but, uh, that but, song body bodyguard that movie my, that's another one like it that, a classic that uh, like you said that song almost is the movie itself yeah. oh it absolutely is it, it, you know the longevity of the song surpasses the movie and I think the blaze of glory um, actually 
has accomplished that as well where it's like you know you listen to any you know rock radio station or even like you know oldies i hate to say oldies radio station but at least you know more classic rock radio station they're still going to yeah. play blaze of glory ad nauseum you know it's oh, yeah. you know the, the thing with titanic you know getting to songs that you know run the risk of surpassing you know. and, I, and i'm looking at it and it's it's an almost six minute song and my wife hates long songs and I love long songs mm-hmm. and I was re-listening to it and it, it it's six minutes of not really repeating itself you know the chorus lines of course but it's like just it, like you said it, it is how it's like hey I'm gonna go and write a song for a movie he, he did his job yeah <laughs> I, I mean considering that you know the filmmakers came to him and said well we want to use uh one dead or alive and bonjo is like yeah no you know what that song's not really about a western but you know you know go go give me a few minutes and i'll go write you a song and this is what he comes <laughs> out with and, and arguably it's you know one of the most iconic and i recognize it's you know it's a solo outing but this is the most icon one of the most iconic songs that he has written um but the thing is, you know, when you think about Bon Jovi at the time, Bon Jovi was all over the place, right? Like this is, this is, this is like, you know, New Jersey era Bon Jovi, you know, with uh, You Give Love, a, uh, not You Give Love a Bad Name, but uh, uh, Bad Medicine era and stuff like that. Like this, this is peak Bon Jovi. Uh, and for him to come out, you know, with a, with a solo song, um, you know, basically the, the solo soundtrack, if you will, like. But I, but I wonder if that has any pushback because it was, you know, let's be honest. Some critics crap on a movie just to be, you know, for lack of a better term, counterculture. Um, the movie itself is good. The song itself is good. But the song overplayed might make you sit there and go, I don't want to hear that song over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah. And that happened. That, and, and nowadays, that would, that's how things work. Back then, it's like, okay, like I just said, it's an almost six-minute song. I love long music, but I don't want to hear a six-minute song five times a day. Yeah, no. (laughs) But it it does harken back to a time when... You know, people wrote songs specifically for movies and they became huge. Like, I I, re- I really, truly and honestly think that um, My Heart Will Go On from Titanic is the last time someone made a song for a movie that became that huge, that successful. Um, and, it, I mean, Titanic was, was a huge box office success. But, yeah, like, that song itself, too, was just so over the moon. Um, Twitter has spoken. Speaking of musicians, uh, Sean Faust has chimed in with Young Guns 2 is a favorite of mine. Ignore the rock drums. Sylvester's score is great. The score, uh, the story is great. The pacing is great enough said. Uh, and I kind of agree. Like, as a package deal, you know, with the, the music and the acting and the, the, the actors in the roles and all that, Young Guns 2 really is a complete film for what it's supposed to be a popcorn western. It- is all of it. Yeah. I, I, again, I think that's why we're, we're talking here. I don't know how it's so low there where, um, you know, just one and two, I just, it, it, I could sit down and watch one and then not hesitate to part, put part two on. And I'm not a binge watcher really. And, uh, it's because I want to know the rest of the story, you know? Okay. It's hard to do that. It's hard to do that with sequels. Honest question. If Young yeah. Guns Three comes out with Arkansas Dave Rudabaugh, with Billy mm. the Kid, uh, with with Chavez, like, are you are you afraid 
that it's too late. No, Amelia doesn't really age, so they'd have, you know, like, <laughs> it depends on how they're going to go with it. Like, again, I hate Back to the Future 3. I, I cannot deal that Western scene or just, not even that it's a Western, just the way that Back to the Future is, it's nothing compared to the other two, in my opinion. Um, if they could come out good with him, you know, meeting back up with, with, with the guy chasing him, you know, his buddy, Pat, I think that can make it work. But would I pay to see it in theaters? No. Would I wait and see it on Netflix? Of course. <laughs> uh, only time will tell if we do get our Young Guns 3. Uh, but, Dean, it is time. It is time to put it all on the line and name who you think is the MVP of Young Guns 2. Oh, uh, Doc. Okay, Kiefer oh. Sutherland. Why? Why is he your MVP? Kiefer Sutherland. Uh, I would go with, like we said, like his his persona in the movie all around is is how I think I would be. I would, by all means, I am not the smartest man in my group of friends, uh, but I I did have the most knowledgeable of how to keep us safe <laughs> in the things we were doing. Um, and I didn't want to cause any trouble, but if I had to, I would, you know, if I had to have somebody's back and step in to, you know, what I mean by stepping in being, if I had to step in and take a punch or punch somebody for a friend, I'd do it. And then I'd cry after about it and help the guy up and apologize. And I feel like that's what doc would do. Okay. I have to admit for me, um, I've always been a proponent that, you know, the better, the villain, the better, the movie. And with William Peterson uh, as Pat Garrett, it's it's interesting because he plays the sort of quote unquote villain. He definitely plays the uh, the antagonist to Billy the Kid and why they're kind of on the run. But it's a very complex, very very dual role, and I think William Peterson absolutely killed it. Uh, so for me, William Peterson is the absolute MVP of Young Guns too. Love to know what you guys think. Hit us up on Twitter at Not That Badcast. Let me know who you think the MVP of Young Guns Two is. Dean. Thank you so much for this. Why don't you take, uh, take a second, tell us a little bit about 904 Dad Life. Yeah, uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, 904 Dad Life is a brand that I've started to pretty much uh, just for dads to communicate with each other, give each other ideas on how to pretty much keep your patience with your kids. Um, positivities, you know, I'm an adrenaline junkie. I love having fun but you have to be safe doing it and uh and 94 dad life really is just about getting dads to open up and knowing to drop the traditional alpha role because kids these days don't handle the getting yelled at like you like we like we used to we used to be regulated i cannot regulate my kids these days like we were and um you know that's what it's about it's, it, it works you know you get you catch more bees with honey and that's kind of what nine and four dad life is about to try to get dads to get on that same wavelength a little bit. Um, but it's also just like, I want to help dads get, get going. It's hard when you're dad, you have kids, it slows you down. Um, anybody has an idea, contact nine Oh four dad life, uh, com. go to nine four dad life at Gmail. And, uh, just even if you're having a bad day, uh, I can find somebody to make you 
feel better. And that's all 904 Dad Life is about. Um, smiles for miles is a big thing that me and my wife say. And I've been saying that for years. And she's like, what is that? And I'm like, it kind of goes with it is what it is. Um, smiles for miles. Just stuff is going to happen and you just got to keep smiling. And that's what 904 Dad Life's about. Dean, that's awesome. Thank you so much for, for uh, taking the time, coming on the show, talking about Young Guns too. You know, uh, I mean, I don't need a reason to watch this movie again, but it was nice to kind of go go down that road. Uh, clearly, my favorite of the Young Guns movies. So remember, uh, you can find Dean on Twitter at 904DadLife and then his website, 904DadLife.com. Thank you, Dean, so much. And then to our listeners, thank you for listening to this episode of It's Not That Bad. Now, you guys know the drill. If you think there is a movie that is unfairly maligned or is so bad that there is no way in hell that we can find anything good to say about it, hit me up on Twitter at NotThatBadCast. We will watch it. We will dissect it. And we will find the good things to say because we are looking for those A grades in B movies. Dean, once again, thank you so much. To our listeners, thank you. Until next time, everyone, take care. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.